0: To the DNA show. This is episode fifteen. I'm Damien,
1: and this is Ian.
0: And today we will be talking about uh, movement efficiency. So we'll be we'll talk about efficiency a little bit, and then we're going to get into some specific movements, um, how you can be more efficient and move faster at them, and get better scores in workouts. So I think the first thing is to define what efficiency is. So if we picture a graph, and you had like work output on the y-axis and um, energy expenditure on the x-axis we want to figure out how can we maximize work output by expending the least amount of energy possible right so that's my definition of efficiency Mm -hmm. so the goal for this podcast is to figure out how can we maximize the number of reps and use the least amount of energy possible.
1: Right, with good form, right? Yeah, with good form. Yeah, always. Yes.
0: Technique also goes into it.
1: It does, big time, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that, you know, people want to know how, you know, get to a certain point, you want to go faster, you want things to get a little bit easier. Um, doesn't mean that your form should change, doesn't mean you should sacrifice, uh, you know, basic mechanics, um, but actually the, the, the best thing, the thing is, is that, the better your mechanics are, the easier it is to be efficient. Um, so an access to better mobility and you know strength does pay, play a really big role in all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What, so question for you. If you have someone, let's just say they're a newer athlete, how do you push their intensity but keep mechanics consistent? So like we want them to have this high power output but at the same time we make sure, we want to make sure they're moving slowly enough so that they're moving with proper technique. Where's kind of the line that you you draw there?
1: Well I always I do like to think that reps are still king to that that as someone who comes in with a new, if they're like kind of a young training age, they need a lot of reps at something to become efficient at the movement. It doesn't mean that it needs to be at, at a high Intensity necessarily, they need to be able to put the time in for that. So there is definitely, you know, lighter load, um, higher reps, in, in a certain degree, is going to be more beneficial for them. So you want them to be able to ingrain that motor pattern over and over and over again, right? So, um, I mean, it's hard to really define that. Yeah. It's always going to be very based off of the individual. But uh, yeah, you want you want. I'd rather someone do. Yeah, like the, the body weight movement or version or barely any load of something at the same amount of volume that maybe the, regu- the rest of the class is doing to a certain degree um, before they're really trying to like get their heart rate up too high, yeah. um, if that makes sense, yeah. so yeah.
0: So it goes to like mechanics, consistency, intensity, right? Yeah, That's a progression to, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah, and it's just, I mean, it's, it's just proven. I mean, it's, it doesn't, There's no really getting around it. I might put, you know, in the level one workout where someone's new coming in, it's going to be an overall less volume, um, but it's still going to be high volume for them, relatively, relatively, right? And then um, in terms of strength training, if it was a strength portion, uh, if... The rest of the you know everyone who's more of a veteran is going to be going up to a one rep max or a two rep max someone new is going to actually probably go up to a five or a three at tops right they actually want to do higher volume there but anyway yeah okay cool. yeah so but you want to be able to have those reps underneath your belt before you can start getting that intensity so this kind mostly this discussion will be based off of someone who's ready to really push Their aerobic capacity a little bit more. Um, They the movement pattern is ingrained within them, and they don't really have as much limitations um, that they're really trying to to just go to that little bit of that next level.
0: Okay. So we're assuming that these the athlete that we're using this example already has proficiency in the movement pattern. So now we're trying to apply it to a workout, get faster. Right. right. Okay.
1: So they're going to increase our power output. Sure. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: So yeah. Okay. So, right, what do you want to
1: start with um i like to think about uh like, the, like something basic it was pretty easy for a lot of people some whether you, your skill level so just anything with the squat okay. so um air squat wall ball okay. thrusters things like that sure yeah okay. what are some of your favorite I mean I always think for me when I'm thinking of efficiency or if I'm trying to go faster there's usually specific cues that I'm telling yeah. myself in my head to mm-hmm. focus on um, and that's what I would tell my athletes so what okay. are some of the cues that you would sure. go to for let's say an air squat? An air squat.
0: Okay so if, if we have air squats and a workout I would definitely recommend I'm, I'm assuming this athlete probably knows where their stance is going to be but I sometimes see an athlete will do their first rep, it'll be a little too wide or too narrow, so then on their second rep they have to adjust. Mm-hmm. Maybe on their third rep they have to adjust again. So knowing your standard foot width is going to save you some time mm-hmm. and it'll put you in a better position because that's where you should be squatting.
1: Yeah. Right? Well, I tell I mean any new person there is one stance for your squat. Mm-hmm. There is one. There's not a different stance for your overhead squat. There's not a different stance for your wall ball. There's not a different stance for your back squat. This should all be the same, unless you're doing some kind of intentional like sumo variation that's a very obscure.
0: And if you have to vary it from like an air squat to an overhead squat, that probably means you have some kind of limitation in upper body that should be addressed, not changing your foot stance.
1: Yeah, just so you know, there's one form of squat for you. Granted, it does take each athlete a little bit of time to figure out what that proper stance could be for them, right?
0: So yeah, going back to the air squat, we got foot placement. I would say the angle of your torso is going to play a big role in not only your speed, but how much fatigue you cause to other muscles that we don't want to be fatigued. So let's say someone has like a a premature chest drop in an air squat, so now their torso is becoming horizontal. And to stand up, they have to make their torso more upright. Mm-hmm. So if you can keep your torso upright the whole time, you're going to save the extensors in your back. They're going to get a little less fatigued. So staying upright, and that especially plays into wall balls and thrusters, where now you have load resisting you into flexion, and you're trying to stay into extension. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keeping upright torso is going to be huge. Yeah. And then squatting movements.
1: Yeah. So for me, for squatting movements, my favorite thing is whether it's a back squat, thrusters, wall balls, this is a, a really effective cue that I have found for myself and for my athletes, is that you want to think about getting your hips under the bar or under your shoulders or basically in the center of your center of gravity as soon as you can. So when you go down into a squat, your butt is going back. Right, and your chest is going to go forward a little bit. Doesn't matter how good your squat is, there's going to be some variation of that. So, what happens when people get slow? Whether it's the speed of coming up out of a squat, um, or have you know it's trouble like their squat just slows down. The sooner you can get your hips forward and under your shoulders or under the bar, the quicker you're going to go up. Sure. Right. So you want that, and you can feel it like you could almost be paused in the back squat and you're stuck and you're like oh my god i can't stand up and if you just take a second to bring your hips forward horizontal under the bar it's whoop, yeah. right right up right so i use that for wall balls quite a bit some people only think about up and down you actually want to think about um a horizontal Push. pattern of like yeah. hips under the ball hips forward hips forward hips forward and you can feel it you can feel this kind of zoop kind of feeling and it gives you this little extra uh, boost. And I would do the same thing for your air squat um, and thrusters especially. Okay. Yeah.
0: Let's stick with the wall ball because uh, for a little bit because uh, there are a lot of efficiency tips mm-hmm. like floating around YouTube on wall ball specifically. So <clears throat> I think the first thing with the wall ball again is standardize your distance from the wall, yep. especially if you're like doing an open style work or something. You could draw a line on the floor where your feet want to be yep. so that you don't have to guess or measure every time you step up to the ball. And then stand... Over the ball, so you know where to start. Mm-hmm. From there, you don't have to stand the wall ball up all the way on the first rep, right? It's almost like doing a really ugly, like med ball clean. We mm-hmm. don't do them, but mm-hmm. get it into your front rack position as fast as possible and then throw it up to the wall. You also want to angle yourself far away from the, a, a, a good distance from the wall so that when you hit the wall, it comes back to you. Mm-hmm. If you're too close, you might throw it straight up and you miss the wall, mm-hmm. and that becomes and no yep. And obviously, if you're cycling wall balls, you're catching, it, going right into the next squat, and then throwing it up without any pauses in between there.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I I personally never really did that med ball clean thing. I, yeah. It never worked for me, although I was always very, very good at wall balls. Yeah. Um, it, I always found that efficiency... It would throw you off? Would, it would throw me off. It was, more, it was co- too cardiovascularly expensive at mm. that point, and I was too efficient otherwise within the wall ball mm. cycling that I didn't need to I didn't feel like I really needed to do that. And oh, I, I could just do it quickly enough. That yeah. was for me, personally. Right. But if you're trying to really, really make up time, and if it's a really short workout, yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. But um, one thing with wall balls that I find that people don't think spend enough time thinking about is their hand placement uh-huh. and really trying to make sure that they're catching the ball in a way that it's going to be very easy for them to be consistent and in, the, in the ball hitting the target. Uh-huh. Right, so if you, I see people all the time try to grab the ball from the outside of the ball, yeah. right, and like at the center of the axis, and uh-huh. and that is an almost impossible way to toss the ball. It's so a
0: much indirect line of yeah. transfer. And, yeah, and
1: also, and it's more likely to slip through your hands. You need to actually, and, but what I find some limiting factors for people is their wrist flexibility, mm. right? So you have to have proper wrist flexibility to actually have the thumb kind of under the ball, right? and the fingers more pointing upwards rather, um, kind of behind the ball where your face could it can see your fingers, right? You gotta be able to cradle it enough. And you can see if people don't have that rest, wrist flexibility, they're gonna be grabbing the ball in very weird ways. That's gonna make it way harder for them to toss it and it just tosses them around when they catch the ball.
0: Okay. What about breathing on wall balls? So I'm, I'm getting better at them recently. I've been doing a lot of like 30 pound wall balls and I think it's been good for me, but I sometimes struggle with breathing, and I think it's in relation to how the angle of my neck. Mm -hmm. So I I tend to look up at the ball the whole time, and it's almost like I'm wheezing because I think I'm just cutting off the airflow. So I've been trying to, like, I can keep my eyes up on the ball without changing the angle of my neck.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. Yeah, I think that's that was what I would do as well. I would. you could have your head tilted just a tad, yeah, just so you don't, you know, hit the ball with your face. But I would intentionally, every time I grab the ball, I bring it and I'm looking at the ball at the bottom, and that way it gives my neck a break, and I'm intentionally like a little more meditative in the moment that I have the ball in my hands. And okay. you know, I wouldn't, I can't really say I would have the rhythm down necessarily. I could, couldn't say what my breathing exactly was, sure. but. People tend to rush having the ball in their hands more than they need to. If you are efficient and you're doing the rep, each rep exactly the same every time, you it will be more beneficial than to be spazzy and when you crack, grab it and just like hold your breath and things like that, it's just, the ball should be relatively light enough for you that you could most likely are going to be inhaling and letting the ball and just riding down with the ball and using that, um, the, the stretch reflex uh, coming out of the, the bottom of the squat, and then exhaling on the way up. That would be my guess. Yeah. I, I can't offhand. Think yeah, about I
0: think that. that, yeah. I exhale when I push yeah. up, inhale, uh, either when the ball's in the air or when I receive it.
1: Yeah. 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 And, you know, at a certain point, like, you can start almost cushioning the ball like you're catching an egg yeah. that's falling out of the air in, in this way that you're already going down, you're catching it. Now, granted, if you're not proficient with your squat, you already struggle with wall balls, it's not going to be the best solution for you right now.
0: Last point on the wall, though. Um, Would you ever recommend someone rest while, like, crunching the ball against the wall with their body? Like, I've seen, I think it's more like mental fortitude, like, don't drop the ball type of thing. So when I catch it, I'm going to lean against the wall. That way I can go right into my next squat instead of dropping it picking it up going to the next prep i've never personally done it but i'm curious if you've ever done that never
1: it. worked for me yeah. people recommend that recommended it. it never worked for me i yeah. hated that it almost it was too um too much energy expenditure uh-huh. worth it to be worth it yeah. um it would uh, and i probably would end up holding my breath i was you know at the point where you would have to be like okay i'm only taking Two breaths here. I'm taking like five breaths here, and that's when you're intentional, You can just stand there and, and just take your breaths, and then immediately pick up the ball. And it doesn't really matter if it's more efficient or not. It's making sure you don't. Um, Rest longer than you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If you if you're disciplined enough to just be like, this is the only amount of break I'm taking, it's when you start walking away from the right. wall, you start turning around, and you start leaning against the wall too long. It doesn't. To me, it doesn't matter if you put the ball down or. Yeah. Gets,
0: Maybe more. It would be more appropriate for someone that tends to just walk away from things. Yes. Maybe it'll keep you engaged yes. in the movement.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you want you want to do one more squat? We can do a thruster.
1: Thruster, I feel like is a pretty it's really similar, similar. Th- pretty similar to the wall ball. I mean, it's such a similar movement. Yeah. Um,
0: I think the biggest thing is like if we're getting really fast, like going for a sub two thirty, Fran, you have to pull the bar down. Yep. Yeah. But don't
1: don't do that unless you're ready for that. Right.
0: Yeah. That's a very <laughs> small percentage of people in our gym need to worry about pulling the bar. You down. have to
1: have a huge capacity, yeah. uh, you know, aerobic capacity yeah. and aerobic capacity to not light yourself up so hard for that. It's crazy. Yeah. But actually, um, I always found that a, a quick pause at the top of thruster, right, where you're in extension, like full, the bar is overhead, yeah. elbows fully extended, that is the best place to rest, right? And if you've ever watched video of Rich Froning, or anyone who was really very good, he would always have actually this really quick pause. One that's what's a beautiful thing about it, you're showing control and stability, you're getting stronger up there when you hold that quick pause, it doesn't slow you down, you catch your breath there, and it really doesn't, it's not a huge energy expenditure. Um, he, I mean, if you watch him do it, he seemed like he was slower than everyone else, but always, it, it, I mean, he was never gassed at yeah, the end of that. Right. So it's a really great tactic, um, whether it's push press or thrusters or anything like that, to have that quick pause at the top. Also, it shows if you're, so, I see people just this, this quick punch and reverse the punch overhead. Yeah. To me, that always tells me you have shoulder instability or uh, discomfort up there that you you need to pause up there and you need to open up yeah. and you need to make sure yeah, you need
0: to train that range of motion you
1: need to change that train that range of motion so sure. let go ahead and start pausing up there for a split second yeah, yeah. cool
0: do you want to go to some um bar stuff like some gymnastics bar stuff
1: yeah 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 let's go to that yeah. all right
0: I'll well, talk about we'll start with the, just a the kit how about mm-hmm. just a standard gymnastics kit
1: if you want to get better at anything in crossfit in terms of your gymnastics get better at your kip, your basic kip swing. I see people um, just just bypassing that. They think, oh, I got the basics down. No, I I don't think people really realize how important it really is and how much time you really could spend on it. Um, you could I mean if you look at gymnasts doing a proper kip you see like that's it's actually incredibly beautiful yeah. and there are no variables the thing is if you got to take out your variables and by doing that you got to keep your feet together you got to keep your legs together your toes pointed hard quads contracted, your glutes contracted and using your lats properly, arms and elbows are staying straight throughout the kip swing pushing against the bar, using your core properly and having this nice glide through and having proper flexibility yeah. for all of
0: that. It almost it's, it looks effortless when you watch someone really good at it yeah. whereas if you maybe have some kind of shoulder range of motion limitation a lot of people like you get their face constricts like they grunt when they do it and it's like Gymnastics movements—they're supposed, supposed to be elegant. Like they're supposed to look effortless. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're not gymnasts, but we—we we want our body to be relaxed but in tension at the same time. Yep. It's like you're creating as much length through your whole body as possible when you're doing a kip swing. Yep. I think th- something that I use for any kipping movements—the uh, best visual representation or visual cue that I give—is I have someone stand right at, at where the support bar would be and watch my body, like. If I'm hanging straight, they're going to see the my profile, mm-hmm. right? And then as I do my kip, they could almost picture my center of mass staying underneath the pull-up bar, even though my torso is in front of the bar and my feet are behind. Yep. And my feet go behind my torso, Yep. right? It's yeah. this pendulum motion. Yeah. And if you ever see someone's center of mass deviate from under the pull-up bar, mm-hmm. that's where they're going to get that swing where both their torso and their feet are on the same side, and that's when it becomes inefficient. And we see that a lot kipping toes to bar yep so we'll touch upon that because two types of kipping toes to bar that we see yeah and i love correcting those yeah the the,
1: the with the toes to bar you see people's hips go way forward of the bar and there actually is no lat activation no pushing against the bar and then they don't know why they can't string their 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 toes to bar yeah. together is because their hips are going so far forward at the it, when they're the toes are touching the bar, that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, that the hips are gonna swing that far back behind the bar when they come down.
0: And then you need that extra kip to regain where you should have been.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: And it's yeah, it's evident by the position of their head. So if someone's head stays in between their arms the whole time, yep. it's it's impossible for them to string together toes bar.
1: Unless they're doing like, they're so strong, and they're crazy. doing them strict to somehow. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 It's absolutely. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to that, and it can be, that is usually, um, oh, they're usually using just basic momentum to get themselves up there, or flexibility, you see people that are really flexible, they can do that, um, so you gotta work on your overall range of motion, and your if you go back to your kip swing, go back to your kip swing, You make sure you know how to use your lats and your core, your trunk, properly throughout that, and everyone in here, there's not a single person in here who couldn't get better at their kip swing. Mm-hmm. And I may remember, I worked with um, Colin Garrity from Power Monkey for several months, um, several years ago, and he had me just go way back to basics, and I just worked on an isometric hold uh, against the wall. I'm just literally was pushing against the wall, mm-hmm. and in just trying, position. not even quite in a hollow position. I was trying to create so much tension through my body and getting as streamlined as you can and it's not even a hollow position. Yeah. When you do that and you realize how much effort it takes, you realize how much you're leaving on the table anytime you're doing these gymnastics movements.
0: Sure. So if someone were to take that example and say you're you're putting so much focus into maintaining this tension and you're putting so much energy into it, how does it make you more efficient? Whereas I can have a lot more slack in my body Maybe still get the reps done.
1: Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't know if this answers your question, yeah. but I feel like any sport, anything that you're doing, any movement is a balance between tension and relaxation, mm-hmm. and it's about that proper. Yeah, you know, it's about the proper balance. So each one of these exercises has its own specific balance that it needs to be incredibly efficient, and some parts of your body be, are incredibly in tension, and they can almost revert immediately into relaxation. So with a kip, that's kind of often the case. Um, but it's, it's pretty sophisticated, and I think that it's, to me, I always go back to it's a rhythm, and you always gotta find that rhythm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no.
0: and I think if, if, there's a lot of people in here that could, and it's myself as well, Like I know that I can do like 15 toes bar with a certain type of kip, and maybe if I tried one that would technically be more sound, I can do less reps right now. Doesn't mean that I shouldn't practice the technically more sound one because Mm -hmm. in the future, my capacity will be higher, my roof will be higher with the more efficient movement. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times if the response is yeah, but it feels worse when I do that, Mm -hmm. not worse as in like injurious, but worse as in like I can't get as many reps, the answer is like, okay, so what? That's something. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. not take your inefficient movement and continue to practice that because you're going to hit your capacity pretty soon. Let's yeah. dive back into the fundamentals, work on the proper technique, and then it might take a few months, but eventually you'll be able to do more, and yeah. you won't hit that roof.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in that, that. I well, with the kip, all the kipping movements, you know, I don't recommend this for everyone who's just learning it, but like one little thing to take away from that is that you. You know, you, if you ju- you should be able to jump up to the pull-up art into your first kip very effortlessly, very beautifully, and be with no question, without the, any hesitation, going into that first rep. And I see people jump up; they do like five kip swings before they go into their first one, and they, that could have been the equivalent of two pull-ups right sure. there. Um, or they're just not even thinking about their placement. Um, Think going up into that. But it, those are little things that actually won't really take away from your technique. It's just how can you place yourself um, under the bar, or um, how you jump up into the bar, or things like that. But again, going back to the, but the mechanics and the efficiency of fundamental mechanics will, like you said, help you get past plateaus faster. Don't believe the whole uh, technique kills physique um, that's going around in the gym right now with certain <laughs> other Podcasts, but um, no that, yeah, that there. everyone hits a wall, and yeah. the easiest way to get past a wall in your training is to go back to basics,
0: yeah, yeah. for sure. All right, some higher skill movements, maybe?
1: Um, yeah, I maybe one more for handstand push ups, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, handstand push ups, I one of uh, it's a good cue. What you see, people, why people are super slow on a kipping handstand push up is they will. Rightfully so. They're a little afraid of coming down onto their head, which there obviously is some inherent risks of kipping handstand push-ups that we could talk about more in depth in a different podcast. Yeah. But if you have the prerequisite strength to be doing kipping handstand push-ups, you see people lowering themselves with this very slow eccentric, then they're breaking at the knees to bring the knees down closer to their elbows, and then they're kipping.
0: It's very segmented.
1: Very segmented, mm-hmm. right? So the easiest way to think about it is that, you one, you have to trust that you have the shoulder strength to p- support yourself and that it's not going to be an issue. But you need to break at your elbow and you break at your knees at the same exact time. When you do that, then you're going to be able to recoil out of the bottom of that kip and be able to open up that hip aggressively and be able to cycle those handstand push-ups a lot quicker.
0: And obviously knowing your hand placement width, and distance from the wall is going to be really important too, going into every rep. And there's a cue that you gave, I think maybe it was Maria, and I've I've used it and it's worked a lot, is if people find themselves hitting the wall early and falling down, a lot of times it's because as soon as, so we're at the bottom of the mat in our tripod position, as soon as I press up, my head arches, Mm -hmm. so I'm almost looking at the wall, Mm -hmm. and now my whole body goes into this global extension. Mm -hmm. So the cue that, You gave was keep your eyes like straight forward, almost looking out the garage door if you're on the wall, Mm -hmm. and that keeps the head neutral. And then they tend to go straight up and don't go into this big extension.
1: Yep. When you're on the wall, I mean, this is very different than if you're doing a freestanding handstand. But you don't need to be looking down at your hands. Mm -hmm. You don't until unless you're just when you're initially kicking up. You should be keeping your head neutral. You should be looking. I like to look up at the opposite. maybe seam of the wall far from me. And you should be keeping your eyes there. Your focal point of your eyes are huge. Um, with almost every movement that you can do. It's very, very rarely that you actually want to move your eyes around okay. a lot. You want to keep it in one place. And so your head being neutral is key. You see people looking down at their hands at the top of the handstand push-up and they're doing this huge whiplash thing, which is also incredibly dangerous. Um, yeah, so if you keep your head through, they, if they immediately move their head back, they're gonna start kicking in their heels into the wall and then pushing themselves away. Yeah. You're also gonna make sure that you're going straight up and not into the wall with your kinetic energy, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean that's probably a good start for now. Um, I could probably dive into every single exercise, like cycling the barbell and things like that. We can return back to that, um, but I don't want to get too advanced with everything. But there's something for everybody with your wall balls and your, you know, like I said, like you know, being able to work on the efficiency of simple movements that we all can do that's a really helpful it's a little bit it's, it's always about the little things if you really want to kind of take your training to the next level and it doesn't have to be anyone who's competitive it's just if you want to make your yeah. workouts a little bit easier and you want to go a little bit faster and hit a pr yeah yeah Love it. cool
0: all right cool yeah. thanks gang check back in next week
1: all right see you soon